What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rewired Soul Podcast. It's your host, Chris, and today we have a very special bonus episode for you. All right. So today, my guest is Alex, and he's from a band called Vatica. But I didn't get introduced to him because of his music or anything like that. I actually kept getting TikToks from him from my lovely girlfriend, Tristan. She kept sending me all this TikToks because Alex uh, on TikTok, he actually has a really interesting series that I absolutely love where he kind of debunks the myth of the self-made success, right? And I'm like, you know what? I need to have this dude on my podcast because any of you who follow the podcast, you follow my writing, you know that something that I talk about regularly is the entire myth of meritocracy. All right. I have had people like uh, uh, Robert Frank on here. I had Duncan Watts on here. We were just talking about, you know, success versus luck, you know, and what makes things popular and all of the randomness involved. Well, when it comes to the self-made success, Alex covers a lot of, you know, artists, a lot of musicians, right? People like Taylor Swift or Eminem or Billie Eilish. Because there's this narrative that we have, you know, especially in the United States. I don't know how it is in other parts of the world. But here we see somebody, we see somebody who's just a millionaire or billionaire. They're rich, they're famous, they're living that dream that we all wish we had. And we're, we're sold the story that they're this self-made success. But when you put their life under a microscope, you see that, you know, first off, nepotism plays a major role in a lot of success stories, right? If it wasn't for a mom, dad, sister, brother, friend of the family, somebody like that, or where the person grew up in their privilege, right? If it wasn't for those things, they never would have had the same opportunities, right? So this is something that Alex talks a lot about. And yeah, we talk about, you know, this whole idea in this episode, we talk about how some of the fans of these uh, artists and musicians kind of give him flack. I ask him why he thinks that is. Why do you think, you know, this kind of like uh, team mindset or, you know, even that tribalism kicks in? Why do people get so defensive, you know, due to these parasocial relationships? But most importantly, Alex and I, we, we talk about why this isn't such an, uh, an important thing to learn because it's not about tearing other people down. Right. A lot of these people are very, very hardworking individuals, but most of us, most of us are people like you and me. We are just the average human being. And when we fall into this story that if you just work hard, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you could succeed. When that doesn't happen, we start looking at ourselves and we start looking like at ourselves like we're the problem so alex and i would discuss that because as some of you know uh, my son he actually just turned 13 a couple weeks ago on new year's eve and this is something that i have to teach him about because he is a hard worker and i have to prepare him for this world where some people are going to get ahead just because of who they are where they come from the amount of money their family has and all that so i ask alex about how do we balance that kind of hard work that work ethic with knowing that other people have these kind of advantages so I really, really appreciate Alex taking the time to come on. This is just, it was such a great conversation. I love chatting with them. So yeah, head down to the description below. Make sure you go follow Alex. I've linked his 
TikTok. I've linked his website. And please go check out his uh, website. I've provided um, one of the pages to his website. It's filled with links. He loves uh, promoting, you know, other creators who are writers and all the places that he's learning about this stuff. And I've provided his uh, webpage so you can learn more about some of these topics. That's all linked down in the description below. But before we get started, uh, if you're new, Make sure that you are following or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Make sure you're following me over on Twitter and Instagram at The Rewired Soul. I am also on TikTok like Alex. I haven't made a TikTok in ages. It's probably been well over a year, but you can follow me over there if you want. But mainly follow me on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss any updates. You don't miss any of the uh, Substack pieces I'm writing and all that. And speaking of Substack, there's a link down below for all of the regular episodes, the non-bonus episodes. If you are a paid Substack subscriber, only five bucks a month, you get early access to all the episodes. It's a pretty sweet deal. All right. But anyways, without further ado, here is my conversation with Alex about the myth of the self-made success. All right. Hello, Alex. Thanks so much for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Yeah. So this this episode's a little bit different. Usually I have like authors on here and stuff, uh, but you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not an author. <laughs> so so for those who have yet uh, to meet you or be introduced to the content that we're going to be talking about and everything, who are you? What do you do? And all that good stuff. Uh, my name's Alex. I play in a band called Vatica, um, and I write catchy alternative rock pop and um make tiktoks about that and then also uh i'm an anti-racism activist and anti-capitalism activist and i am a queer non-binary human being beautiful oh man i didn't even they even know you got into like their anti-capitalist type stuff and all that. We're going to have a lot to talk about then. Let's do so, it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, so I was introduced to your content for my girlfriend. Um, something I, I write about and talk about a lot is uh, kind of like the, the idea of like this myth of meritocracy, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. you, you make a lot of content around that. And I think I, I personally first recognized it when I got sober and I was working at a rehab. And I just noticed that you can give all these people the same tools and some of us got sober, some people didn't, right? I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, there's something else going on here. And you had people who, like me, I went through a sober living house. I had no insurance, no money, no nothing, right? And then I'm working at this luxury rehab and you see these kind of differences. So for you, where did you kind of notice uh, these differences? Like you talk a lot about like musicians and their background and stuff, but when mm -hmm. did you start recognizing that kind of difference between uh, different people and their success. Well, I, th I think that, um, there's the, that's a great question there. So there's the, the, uh, we're all exposed. I can only speak for, uh, American Western American society. Right. But mm -hmm. we're all exposed to the same sort of propaganda, um, that we don't even realize is propaganda because it's, it's reflected in everything from our entertainment, uh, and, you know, movies and books and, and uh, to uh, like our work ethos, to uh, the way that people's uh, stories are um, mythologized, whether that's a famous musician, whether that's a famous actor, whether that's a entrepreneur, whether that's a CEO, whether that's a plumber, like whatever. 
something, a, a through line through all of that is like the American dream is the person that makes it by themselves through their own volition. You know, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that favorite Republican talking point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and you make it happen no matter the adversity, like anyone could do it in America, right? That's, that's the, the sort of myth that we're sold. And what I've learned through, um, like I didn't discover this, like a lot of people have been studying this for a, a long time, scholars and stuff. And, and, um, uh, actually I linked to a whole bunch of, I linked to an ongoing list of people that I'm learning from on my website. So mm. you, uh, I think it's very important, especially as a person who inhabits a, a white body to, um, like I didn't discover any of these things. It's, it's mostly, uh, BIPOC, uh, creators and academics that have, um, uh, made it their life's work. So I'm, I'm learning from them and something, mm -hmm. something that I've, uh, started to get some notoriety for is, is breaking down how self-made the concept of self-made as we understand it is actually a toxic myth, which is something that I do on my, my TikTok because the, that American dream self-made thing was really only possible for, um, a very small set of people during a very specific time in history, which is yeah. right after world war II. And the GI Bill helps white, straight, cis men specifically um, really get a foothold, you know, get land and get get a foothold in America. Um, and that's the boomer generation, right? But everybody else, including even white, straight, cis women, is, are in, excluded from that. But that's where all that propaganda really starts originating from. And they're like, anybody can do it. And you just, you know, you choose mm -hmm. what you want to do and you put in hard work and it's going to pay off. And that was true for those people for a short amount of time. That's that's my uh, father's generation. And now that's just not true anymore, but the, the myth persists and that's because it puts the onus of responsibility back mm -hmm. onto the individual and shifts it away from the ruling elite who uh, oftentimes uh, are born into wealth and power and then use that wealth and power as a starting point to become even more wealthy and more powerful. So yeah. they like the narrative of they did it all by themselves, but it's possible for them to do it, quote unquote, by themselves because they have this massive advantage starting point. It, it's like, if you imagine a, uh, a race where at the end, isn't so much a finish line, but like uh, access to opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then everybody is born into life at a different starting point in that race. So you can't help where you're born into, right? And if you're born into a wealthy family, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're an evil person, Yeah, but that it does mean that you're like one foot away from access at all times. Whereas someone who's born, um, into abject poverty to use an extreme example, has to work a hell of a lot harder to even mm -hmm. get to the point that you were born into. Right. So the idea that just hard work alone is going to take you where you want to go is not how our current mm -hmm. society is, is set up there. There's a, there has to be a, um, series of gatekeepers that, that allow you access into whatever, whatever industry it is that you're interested in. And that's before we even get into the concepts of like, well, someone like it takes at least two human beings to bring you into the world. You, mm -hmm. The language you speak is taught to you by somebody else. The, 
opinions and thoughts you have, you're absorbed from everything, the talents that you have, you've learned from other people, you mm -hmm. know, like is anyone, can anyone even be self-made in this yeah. society when we're a product of our communities? And I think the answer to that question is no. So there's a long answer for you. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it was perfect. There's so, there was so much good stuff packed into what you said. And, you know, I, I, I think one of the reasons I try to talk about it and write about it so much is because I was, I was a victim of this myth for a long time. And it's, and I think it had to do with like me being a control freak. Right. So like, sure. for example, when I, when I got sober and all that, and it was just like, you know, I did this, I got sober, I put in the work, I did all this, you know, even after multiple failed efforts, but then looking back on it, like I, I mentioned, like being in rehab and everything, like, for example, I, I dealt with so many clients and I met so many people trying to get sober and they had families that just, just don't talk to them. You know, we ruin relationships and all that. I had a mom who was seven, seven years sober when I got sober. She helped me get sober, right? Mm. That had nothing to do with me. You know what I right. mean? And even though I didn't have health insurance or money, she paid for my sober living. It's only like $500 a month. But you take those advantages away from someone else, right? Yeah. We see these people, like you're in LA, we see people on the streets and all these other things. We don't have a universal healthcare system. You right. know, there's so many disadvantages that people don't have or that they have disadvantages. They have people with advantages. And like you said, there's uh, a lot of this started way back when, after the GI Bill and everything. And so, like, I'm half black, right? So my dad, he's like, God, I always forget how old he was. Late sixties, maybe I'm being timeless. Timeless, timeless. Yeah, but like, I think about how my dad graduated. He graduated in '69. If that helps. But anyways, uh, you know, things. You know, that was like just a, a, a step away from like segregation in this country, right? Yeah. And there's this insane conversation like, oh, racism, that's in the past. Why are you guys still talking about that? Oh. Right. I'm like, there are people alive who dealt with segregation. Like, yep. so clearly it's not that far. They, they want to act like, oh, it was like slavery, like hundreds of years ago or whatever. But, you know, let's let's start with one aspect, which you cover a lot, which is music. Right. Uh -huh. And I, I think one of the reasons I. I really find that topic in interesting is because growing up, I didn't have that much money and I was living in an apartment, everything like that. But I did like school band and I was like, I was really into drums, percussion and all that. But I noticed, I noticed that one of my best friends, he was a drummer. He was like a killer drummer, like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Like he was insane. Right. But he had this house where he could have a drum set and practice and play all day long. Meanwhile, yeah. I have an apartment, so I there, like there's noise issues. Uh, drum sets are expensive, so I couldn't buy one. You sure. know what I mean? So yeah. just looking at my situation versus his, we're in two different places. So mm -hmm. with a lot of the TikToks you make and stuff, you talk about musicians. I think you talk about like uh, like Taylor Swift, maybe Billie Eilish. I might, yeah, I, I yep. think so. But can you can you discuss how that separates like musicians and? how people get ahead and how that creates opportunity and the different aspects of that. Yeah. So I think something that's hard for all of us to accept, uh, especially, uh, uh, me and my, uh, my mayonnaise brethren is that, <laughs> uh, you can have a shit situation and still have privileges. So like you mentioned, um, unhoused folks and yeah, that, Los Angeles has a, a like chronically unhoused uh, population, um, mm -hmm. and it's only gotten worse during COVID. And the city's solution seems to be like get them out of sight and out of mind. Like there's no services of any kind. Um, 
But even, you know, to take an extreme example, uh, an unhoused person that has a tent versus an unhoused person that does not, mm. that person who has the tent has a little bit more privilege than the person who does not. It doesn't mean both their situations don't suck. It just yeah. means that one person has. So similarly, each of us is born into life on whatever rung of the privilege ladder we happen to be born in. So for example, I am in a mask presenting white, uh, like male passing body. Um, so I've been socialized to in a system that, uh, in a white supremacist system that prioritizes my voice above everybody else. Um, and that means that also I am really comfortable, um, talking and having opinions and talking from a place of authority. Right. Mm -hmm. So just that one privilege right there is huge because, uh, if I was someone who like anybody else who's taught to, um, be quiet and listen to people that look like me, uh, I might be less inclined to pursue, like, to even think of pursuing a career mm. um, in the arts, for example, because like, well, I don't want to bring attention to myself and that kind yeah. of like, that, that just, that's just one piece. Right. So, um, you know, there, there's the, whatever talents you have, and then there is the hard work that you put in. Like I've had to work hard at being a musician, but everybody has to work hard to do anything. You had to work hard to learn how to walk as a child or how mm -hmm. to speak or you, any skill that you ever learn requires hard work. So, okay, hard work is part of the equation, but the idea that it's merit-based, like, oh, this person worked harder than this person. And that's why mm -hmm. they're playing an amphitheater for 50,000 people. It's like, no, they worked hard and they were talented, but at a certain point, point if we're talking about the music industry specifically there is a wall that you hit and it's a closed loop system that's controlled by the four labels that that control everything because every every uh, even independent labels are all owned by the big major four labels unless you're literally talking about like mm -hmm. something you start yourself or in somebody's garage or something so there's this system where you, unless you have a way to gain access to it, you can't get farther as a independent artist, no matter how good you are, unless a, somebody chooses you, right? Like, so that's like, was the typical job of A and R back in the day to like assess talent and choose people or mm -hmm. B you could buy your way in. Um, so if you're born into a wealthy family, you could buy access to labels through a combination of the, the connections that you have. And then, uh, uh, services that they offer, uh, you can literally fund yourself to be an attractive candidate for them or, uh, see you're a celebrity's child. Like those mm -hmm. are the, those are the ways. Um, and I just, you know, I just did a TikTok on, um, Eminem recently because so, so far in the series I do self-made is a, is a toxic myth. The basic format is here's person X who's presented themselves as like sort of, a an everyman type of person, yeah. um, and they made it in the music industry and we all know who they are. Well, here's their backstory. And usually they were born really rich or really upper middle class. And that's what allowed them to be able to have the time, money and resources to pursue, um, being a full-time, uh, musician from an early age. And also usually a lot of them have like family connections to the industry and that kind of thing. So people keep, kept asking me to do one on Eminem because they're like, well, that's someone who's really self-made. He, he was 
you know, born uh, and grew up in working class Detroit. He had a mm -hmm. bunch of shitty jobs. Uh, you know, he came from nothing. And my TikTok lays out sort of what we're talking about here today, how um, he did not come from nothing because first, first of all, he had housing, he had school, he had food, he had clothing, right? That's not nothing. Mm -hmm. It's he, he, by his uh, description, uh, had a shitty childhood, but he didn't have nothing. Mm -hmm. But then Eminem does work hard. He's, he's talented, right? Ignoring, you know, the myriad of problems that Eminem is as a bunch of homophobic lyrics and misogynistic lyrics. And, uh, is he appropriating black culture by being a white person rapping? Like, absolutely. But that, that's not what the TikTok was about. It was just like, did his hard work alone get him mm -hmm. to where it is? And no, what happens is he does a, uh, rap battle competition in Los Angeles where there happens to be an intern for Interscope that intern mm. likes him. But doesn't talk to him then that intern takes a copy of his demo and gives it to the fucking president the ceo of interscope who then happens to like it and then gives it to dr dre and dr dre sees an opportunity and then they choose eminem to invest in mm -hmm. so people seem to get caught up in well his hard work got him that it's like no what about everybody else in that rap competition do you think that they weren't good that they didn't work yeah. hard to get there that Maybe there was someone better or as good as Eminem. No, it just happened to be that he was chosen by gatekeepers in the industry because they mm -hmm. saw a good bet there. And then that gets back to privilege. Why? Because he's a really talented white rapper. So there's a, there's a, back in 1990, what was that? Six, there's an opportunity for a huge crossover there that they've already seen can work with Vanilla Ice. But yeah. the problem with Vanilla Ice is that his backstory was all made up. He was, he was what's his name? Richard Van Winkle the third yeah. or something <laughs> like that. So he was, he was relatively privileged and they lied about it. So when that came out, that hurt his viability as a product, but Eminem has an authentic backstory. So they're like, we'll push this whole thing. And Eminem knows this, like he, he raps about it. He talks about it in interviews and still people hold him up as like a, he came from nothing rags to riches. And mm -hmm. part of that, the series that I do is. Why, wh who do you think benefits from us being so invested in the mm. personal narrative rags to riches story? Why do, why do you think Elon Musk presents himself as someone who just had a bunch <laughs> of great ideas yeah. and then manifested it when the reality is his fucking father owned shares in an apartheid diamond mine, right? Like, yeah. like he's not a genius. He's just rich. Yeah. Um, so. So to finish answering your question, the, the, the music industry, like, like, like most industries is a combination of like, who, you know, how much money you have and are they willing to take a chance on you? And those things you cannot, uh, control by how hard you work or how talented you are. So the mm -hmm. idea that it's, it's merit, but there's a meritocracy that it's like, oh, these people deserve to be there because they worked yeah. harder is a myth is, is, and it's toxic because, um, then it makes everybody who doesn't get those opportunities feel like, well, I just not, must not be talented enough. Yeah. Like I must not be good enough. And, mm -hmm. um, the sad truth is there's thousands, let's say of talented people, um, who just don't get their shot, you know, um, yeah. because of the system that, that we currently have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild to me. Like I've, I've had, you know, I'm sure, and I, I, I want to ask you about this in a minute too, but I've had so many people come at me when I 
try to debunk this myth of meritocracy. And it's, it's, a, it's a very simple thought experiment, right? If I take two people and I say they work exactly as hard, are both of them going to get to the same place regardless of anything else? And you can never say yes. You can right. never once say yes. And, you know, even like going to the capitalist, uh, the capitalism conversation, you have these CEOs making thousands of times more than their employees who are working 12, 13 hour days. So you're like, okay, so that CEO is working proportionally more <laughs> like that doesn't even mathematically make sense. You know what right, I mean? Right. And, 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 and you touch on this great point of this kind of self-esteem aspect of it. And I love how you touch on that in your TikToks because that was the other thing that messed me up a lot, just growing up and everything. Um, because yeah, we, we tell ourselves, oh, I didn't succeed because I didn't work hard enough. And we completely eliminate the luck factor out of it too. Like when we talk yeah. about Eminem's story, sure. like right place, right time. And there's a strange balance, uh, if you want to touch on it too, between that hard work and creating opportunities, right? Like, for example, I, I hustle. Like this podcast started in May. I have like 130 episodes, right? I wow. write all the time. Uh, my YouTube channel, you know, within a couple of years, I have like 1,500 videos. Hey, didn't you say something? You read an astounding number of books. <laughs> yeah, I've that... read like 370 books so far this Holy year. Holy hell. So, Are you like data from Star Trek? You like speed read through them? I wish. My trick is audiobooks at 2x speed. And I'm just listening oh, everywhere. Okay. So like my morning walks when I'm driving, grocery store, I got my earphones in. You know, so I'm constantly just, just taking it in. Absorbing yeah. the information and learning about all the BS of the world and insanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, like how did... Uh, like one, how did this just understanding this and learning about this affect how you view your own skills and your own work ethic? And what do you hope to teach people about not basing their results off of their quality or their skill? Mm. Um, well, it started affecting me. Um, I, and I became really, I started being exposed to these ideas as I became a more radical activist. And at that same time, I was dealing with, uh, being signed to an ex exclusive, I had an exclusive, what they call exclusive, but what that means is trapped a, a five <laughs> album, five album deal with, um, a major label, but they weren't putting out our record just due to the whims of the person whose call it was to put out that record. Like there's mm -hmm. nothing, the record was great. Um, there's nothing wrong with it, except for the fact that we were an unknown band, right? We got, I mean, we got, we built up a following in, uh, in Los Angeles, um, and we got signed off playing shows like the, the quote unquote right way that you're supposed to do it. Right. Yeah. But, um, but then they had us. And, uh, so I, so as long as, you know, I, I did TikToks about that too, and you, you could. If you want to know my story, you can watch those. But the, mm. the long and the short of it is, uh, we were involved in trying to get out of our contract and I was thinking like, how, like, like why me basically? I, I think a, a pity party for myself because it's like my songs are good enough. My performance is good enough. Um, and that's not just a, um, that there's nothing to do with my ego talking. That's like a subjective, like compare any song that I've written next to the comparable bits, like 30 seconds to Mars or these order. like mm -hmm. it could totally play back to back. So 
am I delusional? Am I just not good <laughs> enough? Right? right. And the answer is no, there are, you know, whether or not something is good, once you get past like the technical aspects of something is a subjective opinion, right? Mm -hmm. So like my music is not for everybody. No band is for everybody. There's some people that don't like Queen. There's some people that don't like the Beatles. There's some yeah. people that think Tupac sucks. Like, right? Like that's valid if that's your opinion because music and all art is a subjective art form. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a target market for everything. And we know this because there's three goddamn human centipede movies, right? Like each one of those, <laughs> each one of those made money. Um, somebody wanted to see that. So, uh, there's a target market for everything. And that is one of the good things about the internet and social media is that you could potentially theoretically reach your target market. So I was like, well, the reason they're not putting it out. Uh, or the reason I'm not getting where I want to go is because there are, is a gatekeeper controlling whether or not my thing gets put out to basically a, a content distribution network. Yeah. Um, and they're only going to do that if they can all but guarantee that it's going to make them all the money if you're an unknown band. Mm -hmm. And that's the catch 22. It's like, you need to be famous to become famous. Like yeah. you need to be famous to become successful because any one of these majors is, is like a bank that's loaning you money and they want to make sure they have a, uh, not just a return on their investment, but like a massive, like skyrocketing return. So, um, I, I just started, I just started learning. Um, the part of, part of that was people that I follow on Instagram. Part of that was, um, meeting my, my partner and she's a, sh a radical, uh, activist and, uh, exposed me to so many concepts that mm. I had never, um, you know, before I, before I met her, I considered myself a really progressive, uh, sort of like punk rock liberal, I guess. And, yeah. uh, and the, the answer to that is like, oh, sweetie, like, like I, <laughs> like so many white liberals, like there's so much that just doesn't touch me and affect me in, in life that it's like, um, what, one of my favorite analogies is it's like one day you, uh, you realize, you think that you're, uh, one of the Jedi or one of the rebels in, in star Wars. And in reality, you're a fucking stormtrooper and you've been working for the empire this whole time. Like, and <laughs> right. you're just like, oh my God, like what? And, yeah. but, but previous to that, like point realizing your white privilege, you're going around like, oh, I guess the empire is pretty good. No, I can see it's pretty good. Yeah. And so, um, she really radicalized me. And, uh, again, I, I, I link to the people I'm currently learning from on my website, which is my website's official Vatica.com <laughs> go right there to the link section. But, um, I, I, that, that's where I started learning these con these concepts and they, they really started helping me because I was, um, incredibly depressed. I was like, I, I don't, I don't know how I could work harder to Mm. to get farther because I've done it, right? I've done the thing. I've gotten signed to a major label. Like I've recorded an album with a award-winning producer. Like we're ready, like the, the, the people I was playing with at the time, the band, like we're ready to tour. Like we're ready to go. And they just like wouldn't. And yeah. I learned that this is a uh, common practice. Like a, a label will sign a certain number of bands that they just intend on having as tax write-offs. And then if one of them uh 
happens to do something like great, but like they don't have to invest for, you know, it's not like I got a bunch of money or anything when I got signed, because again, the attitude is you're an unknown, we're doing you a favor kind of thing, as opposed to entering into a business partnership together mm -hmm. because you see value in a product. So I don't know. There's a second part to your question that I feel like that I forgot. Like, uh, what do you, what do you hope that people take away from your TikToks oh, by, by kind of learning about this? I hope that they, um, are able to take some of the pressure off of themselves and some of the, like, just like I was conditioned to think that, uh, all that I am is the result of my actions solely, like, so is everyone else. And when you realize that you're operating in a system that is designed to work against you and break you down. Um, mm -hmm. and that's, if you have, that's even if you have the most privileges, like, right? Like I have a lot of privileges. Um, yeah. and that's before you even get into, um, you know, race, gender, sexuality, like all those kind of things. So like everybody's set up to lose and the system is set up to profit off of you from the moment that you're born till you die. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, uh, controlled by the ruling elite class, no matter, regardless of whatever industry they're in. Yeah. And then, um, they have a vested interest in keeping it that way because the only thing that they care about is maintaining the status quo and their power. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they control is the media narrative. Um, and so that's, it's not, it's insidious in that it's in everything. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and so as long as each of us keeps thinking that it's up to each of us individually to somehow in a vacuum, overcome all of these odds through hard work. And then we're going to get to where we want to, whatever that is, whether that's, you want to be a teacher, you want to be a rock star, or you want to be an auto instructor, like whatever it is that just through your own power. And, um, it makes you feel like you have a level of, uh, control and agency over your life and keeps mm -hmm. you focused on yourself. So it's this sort of like toxic individualism rather than all of us sort of working together as, as a community or in adjacent communities and actually starting to challenge and change mm -hmm. the, the system, because there are so many more of us than there are of the ruling class. It's just, yeah. they own and control everything. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I guess I hope to, uh, both provide relief for, for fellow artists and also radicalize as many people as possible and, and hopefully, uh, uh, smarter people than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and I, I love that, uh, the star Wars analogy, not just cause I'm a star Wars nerd too, but, but yeah, yeah like. I, I'm sure you kind of hate this too, Alex, but like, I hate how the word woke got like co-opted and like changed and now it's just used for all this ridiculous stuff. Because back when the word woke kind of like presented itself, it was like waking up to the reality of things, right? Like realizing you're the stormtrooper. And that's, that's what was happening to me. Uh, I got really into just the political aspects and, you know, economical aspects of it in 2016, when I was like, what the fuck is going on? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. How did this happen? And I wanted to learn and everything like that. And then realizing that these narratives that we've been fed at, like, since we're kids and all these things. Right. And it's, it's interesting too, because I'm really into like social psychology and all aspects of psychology and stuff. And the way we look up to celebrities and celebrity culture, and I'm sure you see this on TikTok and people get their little fan bases, 
And the idea behind it is that we look to the elites or we look to the celebrities and we say, oh, well, these people succeeded. So I need to act or do what they do to get right. there. But we're, we're not being given the true story behind what happened or how they got there. Right. Um, and, and it's really important that we, we recognize that. And I have a, I have a son, he's about to be 13 in a couple of weeks. And I've been teaching him that since he was a kid, right? Ooh. Like he's killing, he's killing it in school. He works hard. He, he's a, he's a huge gamer, like his dad, oh, like, great. He, won't, he won't even touch video games until he's done with his schoolwork and all that other stuff. But you know, uh, even just uh, months ago, they, they released a Netflix documentary about the college admission scandal, right? Yep. Uh, Albert, yep. And I had him sit down and watch it with us. Right. And it's because I wanted to teach him like, listen, no matter how hard you work and you need to work hard, right? I don't want them to like not work sure. hard. But I'm like, no matter how hard you work, there are people who are going to bypass the system due to their privilege, their wealth, their connections, whoever it is, because I don't want him ever like, I don't want him when he's 17, 18 years old, if he decides to go to college to apply and think that it's something inherently wrong with him. Right. 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 Because the other thing that I, I think you touch on too, which is an important topic is, this other myth that the the elites in the ruling class know best, that these gatekeepers know best. And I recently had uh, a professor named uh, Duncan Watts on here, and he wrote a great book. If you haven't checked out, you should. I think you would enjoy it. It's called Everything is Obvious Once You Know the Answer, right? And it's this <laughs> idea that, you know, uh, uh, you know, these record labels or these uh, big Hollywood producers, they know what album's just going to nail it, what movie's going to be a smash hit. But you, you can regularly find these stories of like movies that were bypassed, right? Or right. look at like the Blair Witch Project sure. built on this like terrible budget, like no budget, boom, blockbuster hit. It's like, clearly they're getting paid a lot of money and don't know if they did every single, that every single movie that came out right. would just be profitable and making everybody super rich. But how many movies do they just shove money into that completely fail? So there's this idea that we that we have that, oh, oh, well, if they're blocking me, the gatekeeper knows best. So I need to improve this. Right. But they don't they don't know shit. And it it helps me out a lot too, because I I do some freelance writing and I'll pitch. So I pitch ideas to like publishers and some of them get shut down. Sure. And I have to regularly not take it personally because I'm like, this person might not even know shit. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, so with that, and with talking with gatekeepers, and since you're on TikTok and stuff like that, and you know, uh, you utilize like Spotify for your music, I'm curious your thoughts. Do you think with the growth of social media and we've had people blow up on SoundCloud and everything, do you think the internet has somewhat leveled the playing field? Because we're still at the mercy of the algorithms, right? But do you think it's a little bit easier for someone with less resources to kind of break through? and be successful? No, it's not easier. It's just different. Mm -hmm. uh, because so before, I don't know, I don't know how old you are. I, I'm 39 and uh, 36. So, so we're only okay. a few years. <laughs> so we both know, we remember a time just, just a little bit before the internet. And then we were there for the advent, like the, the real rollout of the, the internet. And so Back then, like playing in a band, for example, um, you put up physical flyers, printed on paper mm -hmm. um, on, to get people to come to shows and did that sort of like uh, street street work promotion, hustling, and then played, you know, playing a show to 200 people was a major accomplishment to get the word out. Well, 
to take a story like uh, Motley Crue, for example, the, the way that they got noticed was they became a big band in their scene. Um, right here in, in uh, Hollywood, they routinely sold out the whiskey a go-go, which holds something like 300, 350 people or something. Um, and if you've ever been to a show, a local show with like 300 people, that's exciting energy and stuff. And this mm -hmm. is, you know, before the internet. So it's not like there, there was much less to do, right? So uh, going to a show was like an, a, a much huger event than it than they are now. And record labels would send out A&R scouts to mm. see who was selling well. And then they would take a gamble on a band, you know, based on a variety of factors, but also because, oh, this band is selling in this sort of microcosm of target market. What if we put some resources into that and then expand that, that target market across the country and that they, they have sort of like a, a, uh, it's like a beta version and then a, then a alpha version mm -hmm. or however it works, alpha beta, I forget which comes first. But, um, <laughs> so now if you have 300 people that, uh, you know, follow you, that's nothing like oh, on yeah. the social media. Right. But, um, so the, yes, anyone can get onto one of these platforms. Uh, specifically right now, the only one that has a remotely fair algorithm is, is TikTok, uh, and, uh, which I could talk about in a second if you want, but the, uh, you can get on there and build an audience quickly, but now like a label wants to see, you know, call us, you know, 1 million is the, is the yeah. entry point. You have, do you have 1 million followers? And then out of those followers of how many are engaging with your content all the time? Mm -hmm. And then out of those, like how many are actually buying stuff? They, they And it's the same thing with movie studios. They want more and more, they want a proven sure thing that's already successful without them that, that they can attach mm -hmm. themselves to. Because like you say, a lot of them are not artists and don't have any idea of, of what's good. You know, there's when, when I was, I was recording once and there was an A&R guy there and we were doing these, this record and, um, at the end of every recording session each day that we were in there, he'd come in and listen to like give his notes or approval. And he had all these impressive credits and it worked with all these bands that I was like, wow, you know, it's really cool that this guy is working. Like he's discovered all these bands um, that I look up to. And one time he made us stay uh, good 45 minutes, hour and a half, like after the session, because he kept saying there was something wrong with the track, but he couldn't articulate what it was. Yeah. And over the course of that time, it became clear that what he was actually talking about was a uh, half of a decibel uh, volume adjustment in the 500K range of the left symbol, which <laughs> doesn't <laughs> fucking do anything, right? right? And so what I realized is, oh, he doesn't know anything about whether a song's actually good. He feels like it's his job to add his opinion because mm -hmm. he's the A&R guy, but he doesn't subjectively know anything and he's just wasted all of our time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and because he's trying to preserve his job and make himself look good to his, but like I went in there today and I told him I did this, and this, and it's coming along great. Right. Yeah. And so when you think about like movies and shows and, and albums and artists, like there's all these people that are invested in their own careers and their own egos and their own, mm -hmm. that's before you even get into like psychology of uh, power dynamics and stuff. And yeah. you know, what is per person's actual motivation for doing the job that they're in? Mm -hmm. So 
it's uh, a lot of times the gatekeepers don't know. And so it's not, it's not easier now. It's just a different, a different game with the same problems. And, and I guess yeah. on a larger scale to some extent, like the idea, uh, the last time I looked, I, I have like 190K or something on the TikTok that I started six months ago. And like, that's, that's crazy, right? Because it took, mm -hmm. it took me five years to get 16K on Instagram, right? Because yeah. their Instagram, their algorithm's super gated um, mm -hmm. and TikTok doesn't do that, which is great. But the, the, so I have a couple of videos that have done, you know, 1 million, 2 million views or something. And that's, that's incredible to me that like, let's say even, let's say half of those are, are repeat watch. So like on a 2 million video, that means a million human beings have seen my face and something mm -hmm. that I've made and that I'm talking about or heard my music in it or whatever it was. That's incredible to me. And it does fuck all to my career in terms of, <laughs> in terms of, uh, yeah. labels because they're like, oh, you got 2 million. Great. Well, this artist that we're looking at over here, they're getting 6 million. And so that's better, right? Cause yeah. that's 6 million and you're only getting 2 million. So that's a bigger number. So bigger number better. So we're going to go with this person. And it's like, yeah. you're not even looking at, at the art or the content. Um, yeah. because, uh, the people in charge of choosing and selecting and picking people don't have a fucking clue about yeah about what's good most of the time yeah yeah for sure and and like when you're talking about that that dude is like oh yeah change this you know and it's barely a difference uh you know going back to like this idea that these people know what's best um i learned a lot about this uh when i was reading a bunch of books like i was trying to figure out how to like invest and save and shit like that yeah but they were they were talking about just probabilities and stuff and when it comes to stock pickers right like there's people on wall street just making stupid amounts of money because they think that they're like psychics. But basically what they say is if you take a hundred people, right? And you have them flip a coin and whoever gets heads gets to stay. The rest leave. It's like fucking squid game, right? Yeah. And then you have them do it again, right? Half the people leave again. Boom, flip it again. You do that 20, 30, 40 times, you're going to end up with one guy who had heads every single time. Now that doesn't mean he's better at flipping a damn coin. <laughs> it means that it just worked out in his favor. So when we think about these like people who are deciding what, what records go through, what movies go through and everything like that, there are people who, yes, their track record looks great, but we have this kind of, uh, this, this idea that there was some skill behind it. But like you said too, people have to justify their work and what they're doing as well. Mm -hmm. So me, I don't know if you ever struggle with this. But say I'm like writing something or I make a YouTube video or I do a podcast. If I go to, if I go to someone and say, Hey, this video or this podcast episode or this piece of writing I did didn't perform well. Why do you think? Right. And if I, and what if I lied to them? Cause I'm in the psychology experience. What if that thing actually went viral and I just didn't tell them and I, yeah. they would find things that are wrong with it. Right. Because they feel like they have to, if you say, why didn't this succeed? They will, their mind will automatically look for, for things that are wrong. So I guess with that and you being a musician, how do you take in feedback while also knowing that people's subjective opinion isn't always, you know, the end all be all when it comes to that stuff, because that for creative types, we have to like kind of balance that, you know what I mean? Like we have to be willing to want to improve while also knowing that this person might not have the right opinion, you know? Yeah. Um, 
So how I, how I take feedback is I consider the source and I consider what their motivation is. Cause you know, it's not like every A&R person sucks or every producer is terrible or every label head is an idiot, right? They're, they're yeah. talented people who do know what they're doing. It's just, you never know who you're going to give a time. So it depends, it depends who's saying what, um, so if it's somebody that you know, this is also something that, that comes with experience too, because the first time you get in a room with somebody who has any influence over what you might do or what opportunities mm -hmm. you might achieve, your inclination is to agree with them and then assume that of course they know best because look at all the credits next to their name, yeah. but you don't actually know what did they do for each of those credits. And did, you know, I, there was an a and that I met that they had this band that I really like next to their name. And I learned from the producer that I was working with that they didn't discover that band at all. He was brought on as A&R after that band was already signed. He wasn't mm. even the one that discovered them. He was just assigned to them. And so now that that, that credits next to his name, but he actually had nothing to do with I, both their discovery nor um, their development or anything else. He just was the person assigned to their case. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I developed a, uh, a, a pretty thick skin for, for criticism. And, uh, it's, and it's not that I don't take it in either. Like I, I always try to listen and is there something that actually useful in, in what this person is saying? Um, uh, I think, a, I think a skill is to depersonalize it, especially if it's like, uh, criticism constructive or, or otherwise, because, um, like we've been saying, uh, any type of thing that a human creates is subjective, whether it's, whether it's good or bad, especially, especially art is, is subjective. Um, not everybody's going to like it. Um, so I, I, I have all that sort of in my head when, when somebody's telling me they like this or don't like that, you know, it's it, nothing, nothing prepares you for uh, criticism, like, like playing shows and having somebody scream, you suck at you. Right. Like, <laughs> and for some reason, you know, let's say there's a hundred people there and 99 of them like it, but one guy is just like throwing beers at you. Yeah. That's the person that makes it a, an impression because I think every artist, um, every person that creates anything is terrified deep down that what if, what if I do suck or, or I know that I don't suck, but what if everybody else thinks that I suck or I know that I don't suck most of the time, but what if this new thing that I made sucks or, yeah. and, um, once you accept that there's all, you know, you, I don't know who said it originally, but you can't please all the people all the time, you know, like yeah. they, there's always going to be people that don't like what you do, but since there is a target market for everything, then it's, uh, how do you find both the target audience that is going to like you and then a team that's actually going to be supportive of you, the, the artist and what you, uh, what you're about, as opposed to you are number 345 in their, you know, workload and just another fucking band or another fucking podcaster or yeah. whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, it, 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 it's a, it's a combination of, of, of things, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In order, in order to be a creative, what I've learned is that you really got to develop that thick skin, work on your mental health, like crazy, yeah. right? Um, you know, because speaking of bad comments and stuff like that, like I, I recognize this within YouTube. Like I had a while when my YouTube channel was popping, just tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of views and just, oh my God, this is not great. Then just nice. one guy and just like, you're a fucking idiot. And you're like, Ooh, yeah. you know, but 
So I'm sure that you've had some negative comments on, on this series that you do on TikTok, right? Showing someone's backstory. Sure. And something I'm always fascinated with, I actually just wrote a Substack piece about it this morning, is self-deception, right? Mm. So we were talking earlier about how like kind of our system and, and uh, you know, the people, the, you know, the, the higher ups, they try to teach us this idea that, oh, if you work harder, you know, you go into like uh, Republicans and pick yourself all up on, by the bootstraps and all this. So I'm sure you've gotten comments where you make a, a video about an artist that people just fucking love. And mm-hmm. they're like, screw you, man. They're good. They would have done this anyways, right? Right. So yeah. there's this massive amount of just like cognitive, dis- uh, cognitive dissonance. Like when you present them with the facts, their brain is still like, no, no, no. This mm-hmm. person is good. They work hard. They have skill and all this. So what are, what are your thoughts? Why do you think that people do this? Or have you had comments like this where someone just defends the person that you're talking about? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like, why, why do you think our brains do that? I think, uh, and of course, there's a bunch of psychology on this, which I'm now going to badly paraphrase. But I, I think that it's, uh, it threatens, ultimately, it threatens our sense of egoic self. So, so mm. people identify with the thing that they like. And then that thing becomes a part of who they are and their personality and what it means to them, uh, whether that's a celebrity, an actor, a movie star, an artist, a musician, well, whatever. And then if somebody else says that thing sucks, no matter how legitimate the reasons are, what mm-hmm. you're feeling, it, what you're hearing is you suck because you yeah. like that thing. And I think it's, you know, uh, talking about the, the narrative again, like we're all conditioned to like pick teams, right? You either yeah. like Green Day or you like Blink-182. You like Taylor Swift or you like Billie Eilish. You like um, Republicans or you like Democrats. You like, there's always these binary choices. Mm-hmm. And once you pick your side, then you have to defend it like sports or something. And mm-hmm. um, the, the reality is that each one of those things could care less about you. They don't, they don't know <laughs> you, yeah. right? Like when somebody's, you know, something that's always, uh, uh, mystified me is when people are like, you know, team X wins a thing. And then they're like, yeah, we won. It's like, no, you watched it. Yeah. They did the work that won it. So, but it's like, I want that wanting to belong, that wanting to identify with a thing that wanting to be a part of something or a cause or whatever like that. Those are all good instincts. It's just society does not give us very many places to direct those except in, uh, uh, fame worship or, or sports really. And, yeah. and so when you, you know, if I say, uh, you know, kid rock is a, uh, appropriating, uh, problematic racist because he does uh rap rock when he actually grew up in a mansion yeah and uh he flew the confederate flag at a whole bunch of his shows and there's people jumping in there from everyone from the uh you know the uh it's about heritage that that crowd <laughs> yeah. to the uh to the like no he did it all by himself or like you say like he would have made it anyway because he's talented it's like no you've identified with something about him um which first of all time for therapy because you've identified with kid rock but all right you've identified with him and now you feel like i'm telling you that you're bad 
Um, yeah. And it, this like simplistic, moralistic thing that we've all been conditioned to do. Um, so yeah, ultimately, I, I think it, psychologically, it must threaten our our sense of self. So I, yeah. I have compassion, except for the really vile people. I have I have compassion when people are like, but I really like uh, Maroon Five or whoever it yeah. is. Like, you can also like like a thing and still acknowledge their privilege or how they got yeah. there or that you know i i did one just one simple video on like listen to adam levine from maroon five's guitar playing versus bb king and my point is bb king is objectively better for these reasons and yeah. there's a whole bunch of guitar bros that i was not expected for talking about like <laughs> jumping in and talking about how adam levine is uh has soul and feel and i say no he objectively doesn't but but ultimately, um, like you could make a case for either one, right? Um, mm -hmm. um, because we're talking about something that's subjective, but the, the, the amount, um, you know, I, I clearly think there's a right answer, which is you can't, you can't beat BB King when it comes to a guitar solo, um, yeah. especially at the blues. That was the example I was using was here's Adam Levine playing blues and here is, uh, uh, BB King and, uh, you know, one person that's their lived experience and the other one is it's a uh i'm sorry not adam levine is john mayer who i was talking about oh yeah, yeah john mayer but like you know bb king is the blues whereas john mayer is doing an impression of the blues right yeah and that that for me equals better um because one's authentic and and one's like a uh like like pretending um and that's different from technically sorry i went off on a side tangent there but the my, my point is that, uh, people, people's sense of identity, I think feels defined yeah. by the things that they like and the things they don't like. And then if you, if they perceive you as coming for those in any way, then they get angry because there's yeah. their, their sense of self is threatened. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and something I've, I've had to work on over the years and there's still some, uh, certain ones that I, I can't do this is separating the art from the artist. Right. And that's helped oh. me separate myself from the artist. That's tricky. That's yeah, what we're talking no, about. Yeah, exactly. There are certain ones where I'm just like, nope, no. Like for example, I'll just throw one out there. I can't, I can't listen to any Chris Brown. Like it's just no. off the table for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people where I'm just like, nope, I can't, I don't want any money going in your pocket. I don't want any of that. Like, you know, so, but, but yeah, just certain things that help me distance myself or help me not get into that group identity, because I think that's why, uh, why we watch award shows and stuff like that. It's all just team uh, dynamics yeah. and, and just, oh, they got award. Therefore I'm right in my taste and what I in like. In my but, taste of living. Yeah. 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 But uh, one last question for you, and we might have to do a whole nother episode on this, but I think about this a lot, a lot, a lot. And I think you're a perfect person to ask about this. And this has nothing to do with meritocracy. Well, a little bit, but do you think, do you think that capitalism can work? And here's just my quick brief thoughts on it. I feel like there is a way it can work, but we've fucked it up so bad in the United States where like, I was like full on like Bernie supporter, you know, whatever, like we need to sure. burn this shit to the ground, start all over and figure mm -hmm. some stuff out because, uh, things have gotten so disproportionate and the inequality gaps are so wide that we need to start something new. So do you think there, there is a way 
that we can make this work where hard work increases your wealth and blah, 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 blah. Or do you think we need a whole new system? I think that one, I'm not an economist. Uh, and, yeah. then, and then two, um, the, the second thing that I think is that I guess, I guess I'm a, a realist, like look at the situation that we're in, look at the state of the world. And it's very obvious that there is a huge disparity between the 1200 or so families that control 99% or what is it? <laughs> 98% of the world's wealth and everyone else. Right. And is that the system that we want, which is, which is effectively feudalism on a, a grand scale? Like, do mm -hmm. we like, do we want that? Most people don't want that. And if you are an economist, um, and the ones that I argue with online, uh, often like to focus on like hard data and, um, and numbers, of course. And the problem with that is it's often devoid of context. It's just, uh, results from this study about this specific thing at this specific event. So I'm, I'm really less concerned with what we call it, whether it's capitalism, socialism, mm -hmm. some new thing, the model that they have in Star Trek where there is no money and everybody <laughs> is, uh, uh, does stuff based on what their actual interests are. And there must be uh, some sort of universal basic income, like whatever. I think that the real question is, do we, are we happy with this current system? Is it, is it really serving the needs of all, or is it serving the needs of the few? And I feel like that's a, it's a pretty easy question to answer. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a, just objectively serving the needs of the very few, increasingly fewer and fewer people. You know, yeah. what, when, when each day is like, Elon Musk is the richest person. Nope. Today it's Jeff Bezos. No, tomorrow it's Elon. No, today it's, and that's due to a stock fluctuation every day. Yeah. Um, there should be no such thing as the, the richest person in the world, because the only way to get that is off of the exploitation of other people. You know, I'm sure you heard about the, you know, we're re recording this, uh, uh, in, uh, the middle of, uh, December. And recently there was that hurricane uh, that mm -hmm. went through several States. Did you hear yeah. about the Amazon warehouse where I was, it was just, yeah, I was just watching stuff this morning where they didn't let people leave work. Right. While tornadoes are coming to destroy the place. Yeah. It's and wild. Five, five people were killed and the whole warehouse was leveled. And this happened at three in the morning. So it's like, and across from it was another Amazon warehouse. And those people were sent back to work the next day. So they're literally able to look across the street and be like, look how expendable we are. I mean, as if they didn't already know they worked for yeah. fucking Amazon, but so Bezos maintains his unimaginable level of wealth through the exploitation, uh, and destruction of, of, of other human beings. And also the destruction of the very fabric of our, of our society, uh, that shouldn't be something that's allowed to be right. If the government had, has one function, it, it should be to create a, a harmonious, uh, environment for everybody. And it's as we all know, it's not, it's, it's in service of the elites and corporations. Right. So, yeah. um, so I think, you know, a, a lot of times people get caught up in the, when they want to talk about the stuff in the, the theory of it or the theoretical, like what model are we going to use or where's there mm -hmm. the, where's there the, uh, has there been a proven record of success or, and then they start debating the 
minutia of it when no one seems to go like, okay, what's the big goal that we want, right? And we mm -hmm. want to make an actual equal society. Okay. Then what steps would it take to accomplish that thing? And then can we go about putting people into place that will enact, help us enact those steps? Um, so I, I, I guess when it, when it comes down to it, I'm advocating for a new system, but I, I guess with the caveat of like, there are aspects of the, in, of theories of capitalism that are, um, not inherently wrong, I guess it's just sort of irrelevant because in, in practice, that's one of the most destructive forces that the planet's ever endured. So I, I really could care less what we call it. What I, yeah. what I, what I care is like the effect and, uh, I, you know, I, I want a world that honestly is, is, is much more like the, the Star Trek model where yeah. people do things because that is what they were born to do mm -hmm. and their basic needs are covered by the society in which they live and you stand for certain <laughs> values. And one of them is that, you know, the exploitation of other human beings so that you can have a golden bidet is not something that's allowed anymore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, especially when the politicians call it, they get so wrapped up in these labels and stuff. I'm like, I don't, I don't care what the fuck you call it. As long as we're working for, you know, more equality, everybody does have a fair shot and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But, but Alex, I appreciate you coming on. I'm so glad that we were able to link up. So for everybody listening, I'm going to link your website down below, but where else can people find you, whether it's your, your music, your TikTok, where you at? Yeah. Thank you so much for, I mean, it's, it's been a wonderful, uh, experience actually, you know, as a, as an independent artist, uh, a lot of the questions you get asked are this, what's your band name mean? Like they're the same thing. So to actually have a discussion <laughs> is really nice. Um, People can find me on TikTok at Vatica. They can find me on Instagram at Vatica. I'm on the other ones too. Uh, you know, if you if you want to yell at me on Twitter, I'm there. My website's officialvatica.com. If you want to hear my music, it's on any platform that you would, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora. You can Shazam it, like wherever you listen, I'm there. Uh, and um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. Oh, my, my newest song is called gasoline and it's out right now. Um, and that's available on all streaming services. So please buy like subscribe, <laughs> smash that like button, hit that sub. I love so, it. Are you, you going to be touring in Vegas anytime soon? So I can check out a show. I would, I would love to, uh, we, uh, we got to have a viable way to, to do that. You know, unless you're again, access and money. Uh, if, if I had, <laughs> right. if I had a whole giant team of people that could ensure a safe environment for everybody, but we're, you know, as we're headed into December, mm -hmm. I'm constantly getting, uh, Omicron is, is surging updates on my phone. Like, are we headed for another lockdown? Like, I, I, yeah. who knows? Yeah. So, well, I'll be staying tuned and, and we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Again, thanks so much for coming on. And yeah, I'm sure we'll be, we'll be keeping in touch. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Alex. I could honestly talk to him, talk about this topic all day long, because I, I think it's such an important subject for all of us to just, you know, kind of be aware of kind of like what Alex and I were discussing. Like we, we have to know that we internalize this, this kind of messaging and we, we just beat the hell out of ourselves when we bust our ass, when we work hard and we don't see the results, 
we think that something's wrong with us, but we neglect to realize that other people, there's, there's a, there's a big long story underneath the surface that we are completely unaware of, you know, something I was taught early on in sobriety is, you know, not to judge my insides by someone else's outsides, right? Some of that is just, you know, about regular comparison that we do, but we also need to keep that kind of uh, idea in mind when we're thinking about someone else's success versus where we're at in life, right? Because we often don't know the full story. And again, I said this, you know, in the intro to this podcast, I want to make it very clear. This is not about tearing people down. Alex and I discussed this, like these are very hard workers. These are people busting their butts, right? But, but a lot of people started just a little bit further ahead. Okay. And, uh, some of you, if you're interested, go back and check out the episode. Um, I did, uh, about the book, uh, social justice parenting, uh, the author and I, when we were talking about that, uh, we were talking about how all of us have different types of privilege. It's not just about skin color. It's not just about wealth. It's about these little things and using myself as an example, like I had an advantage having a mother who was seven years sober. She works in the industry of, addi uh, of addiction treatment, all these other things. These are small advantages that helped me get sober that had nothing to do with what I did or my hard work, right? And these are just things that we acknowledge. And one of the, my favorite things that I, I still remember to this day is my conversation with Robert Frank about success versus luck. It's when we recognize that we've had advantages or privilege, and I've written about this so much lately over on Substack, when we have that advantage, like it is our moral obligation to take that and try to help somebody else who didn't have that advantage. And that doesn't mean like giving them, you know, money or opportunities. Like it can be, it definitely can be, but, but a lot of times it costs us absolutely nothing because we're just sharing knowledge and wisdom with them. Right. I talked about this in a piece I recently uh, wrote about financial literacy and how a lot of people don't even know what they don't know. So, so yeah, I, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode uh, with Alex. It's such an important conversation. So again, Alex is such a cool dude. Make sure you go follow him over on TikTok if you're on there. Uh, I've also linked to social medias. Check out his website. And most importantly, check out the link to his website with a whole bunch of resources, books, and everything like that, uh, and learn more about these topics, about privilege, meritocracy, success versus luck, uh, you know, the myth of the self-made success and all that kind of stuff. Check all that stuff out down in the description below. And while you're down there, make sure you're following me over on Instagram and Twitter at The Rewired Soul. And if you're new to the podcast, make sure you're following. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. And if you like this podcast, if you like what I'm doing here, two really easy ways to help support the podcast. First one is share this episode. If you thought that this conversation was interesting, if you think this is an important topic, share it out on social media, all right? That really helps get the word out about the podcast. And the other thing you could do, take two seconds, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. The algorithms really love that stuff. They also love when you share it. So this is all, you know, to help grow this beautiful little community that we have here, all right? But some other ways you can help support the podcast. One of them, uh, you can head over to therewiredsoul.com. I have written some books, mainly on mental health, my experience, uh, blowing up on YouTube and then being canceled. I wrote a book about that. That helps support. And uh, you can become a paid subscriber. That's linked down below. It's only $5 a month or $50 a year. Uh, you help support the podcast and, and you get early access to all of the regular episodes 
All right. And the last way you can help support the podcast is that if you're somebody like me who wants to improve your mental health, uh, you know, like we all struggle with this stuff, there is an affiliate link down below for BetterHelp Online Therapy. That's a service that I've personally used. So if you want some affordable online therapy with a licensed therapist from the comfort of your own home, I cannot vouch for them enough. They helped me out through some really difficult times. So if you're interested in working with a therapist and improving your mental health, check out that affiliate link for BetterHelp Online Therapy. All right, but another big thank you to Alex for coming on. Make sure you head down to the description. Make sure you're following him. Check out his links. And yeah, for all of you, I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. And this week, I might I might have two episodes for you. I'm not sure, but I have some really cool conversations uh, scheduled this week. Uh, the episodes will be out a little bit after, but I am talking to Jane Friedman about the business of being a writer and some other interesting topics. Billie Eilish actually comes up again. You'll see what that's all about. And I'm also going to be chatting with Bridget Fetessy this week. We're going to be talking about addiction recovery, the whole political climate going on, all sorts of cool stuff. So yeah, we have a ton of cool episodes. You don't want to miss them. So yeah, again, have an amazing rest of your day and I'll see you next time.